0: continue in our Sunday Gospel to hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ in the Sermon on the Mount. And today, it starts to get pretty tough. We began two weeks ago with the strange but touching Beatitudes, the call to humility. And then last week, we continued with the invitation and the call to be salt and light, to let our light shine before others, beautiful, inspiring, Images, But today, our Lord starts to get real, we might say, about what that light is meant to be like, the hues, the intensity that is meant to shine through us, the particular way we are called to live. And he quite literally goes right to the heart of the matter. It's not enough, he says, not to physically kill another person, You should not even harbor anger in your heart. It's not enough merely to refrain from external deeds of adultery and impurity. You should not even lust after another in your heart. He doesn't hesitate to speak quite straightforwardly about the difficult subject of divorce. Words, by the way, that are underneath everything that the church continues to teach and practice regarding divorce and remarriage, annulments, all of these things. It's because of the very words of Christ. And wait until next week when we will hear him call us to love our enemies. Not just put up with, live and let live, but love our enemies. My friends, this is difficult stuff, isn't it? This isn't the pop culture Jesus who simply wants us to be nice to each other, to practice tolerance and all will be well. And one approach that some people take to these words of the gospel is simply to dismiss it, to say those words aren't meant for us. Jesus spoke them in a very particular context, 2,000 years ago, living in a very different culture to that particular crowd on the hillside. Our Lords were just for them. But that's not how the Church has always taught us to approach the Gospels. Our Lords' words were not just for that time and for that people. They were recorded, we believe, inspired by the Holy Spirit, so that people of all times and all places could hear these words. Jesus teaches perennial truths, words of eternal life, according to St. Peter elsewhere in the Gospel. Truth doesn't change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There would be something inconsistent, wouldn't there be, to say, yeah, Jesus died on the cross and saved me, and I get the grace, but I don't have to listen to his word and welcome his teaching. But how, then, are we to approach these words? Because if this is the standard that Jesus is setting for us, isn't it the case that all of us have fallen far short? Isn't it the case, really, that we all stand condemned by these words of Christ? My thoughts as I prepared for this morning turn to a radiant disciple of Christ whose light shone so beautifully in the last century and into the first years of this new millennium, St. John Paul II. In one of his early general audiences after his election as pope, those series of audiences that we now call the Theology of the Body, St. John Paul asked this very question, how are we to hear the words of Christ in his Sermon on the Mount? Do you know what he said? On October 29, 1980, there at the Vatican, St. John Paul said these words to those gathered for his audience. These words bring to light A vision of man's possibilities. It is important that precisely in his heart he does not feel himself irrevocably accused, but that in his same heart he feels himself called with energy, called precisely to this supreme value which is love, called in that truth which has been his inheritance of the beginning, the inheritance of his heart, which is deeper than the sinfulness inherited. Christ's words reactivate that deepest inheritance and give it real power in human life. Called, St. John Paul said, not merely accused. Our Lord speaks eternal truths, yes. He's teaching us, how we are called to live our lives, differentiating good and evil, right and wrong. But those words flow right from his own heart, his sacred heart that is literally on fire with love. And so his words are not meant to be received merely as an accusation. The response isn't simply guilty as charged and give up because I could never. Be enough. Our Lord doesn't speak merely to accuse, He speaks to call us, to set our hearts on fire with the longing to become what He calls me to be. He calls us to true greatness. He speaks to exhort us not to settle for mediocrity, not to think that conversion is impossible. He wants to reignite within us that deep echo of the beginning of the holiness of Adam and Eve before the fall. And here's the beautiful thing. With these words, with this call, also comes grace. We're not on our own. Jesus gives us grace. Grace to make our hearts like unto his. Grace to make it possible for us to live this high standard. But we have to choose We have to choose to hear these words of Christ in this way, not to be bitter about what he says, but to be challenged and to be encouraged by it. If you choose, our first reading said, you can keep the commandments. God's given us freedom. And so we have to decide ourselves to welcome these challenging words of Christ. And we have to decide to seek from him the grace that alone will make it possible for us to live them. We find that grace poured out for us abundantly, unceasingly, especially in the sacraments. And so when we come to confession, to admit the ways we've fallen short, when we come to Holy Communion to be nourished and strengthened, the Lord gives us the grace to grow little by little towards this high standard that he sets for us. And that's all supported then also by our daily prayer and our humble docility to the church, which he institutes. You know, when I think of St. John Paul, this is precisely the way I think of him. I think when he looked out upon the vast crowds of people who often gathered in his presence, he didn't see anonymous crowds. He saw individuals, each of whom had a particular story, a particular history, a particular past. But he also saw individuals, each of whom had great potential individuals who, if they chose, could be led by Christ to become saints. I'll never forget his parting words to us at the youth rally here in St. Louis in 1999. He said, the Pope believes in you and he expects great things from you. Those words still echo in my ears in that thick Polish accent of his. The Pope believes in you and he expects great things from you. Let's allow ourselves today not merely to be accused by Christ, but to be called by him to great things. Let's put our trust anew in his words and in his grace to make possible that life to which he calls us. And let's draw strength from St. John Paul and that crowd of, great crowd of witnesses who cheer us on for heaven who are helping us with their holy example and with the gift of their prayers. St. Patrick, pray for us.